Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, friends and neighbors. We're back for another episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. The Nonprofit Exchange is a space where we have interviewed leaders for seven years. And like the composer, British composer, conductor, Ralph Vaughan Williams is known to have said, music did not reveal all of its secrets to just one person. Well, that could be said about a lot of things, leadership, nonprofit development, hmm. And how about tools and systems for your nonprofit? Our guest today is a longtime friend who we became separated for a while and reconnected recently. And I've looked behind the hood of, under the hood of this car and uh, all the wires are connected and it's pretty amazing. So we're gonna share some tools with you that are pretty amazing. And in my view, absolutely essential tools for creating the business part of the nonprofit or church or synagogue or mosque that you are, are responsible for leading. So I'm going to throw it to Burke Franklin. Um, he's got a, um, a site and a, a tool and a bunch of tools. So I'll let him tell you a little bit about his background and what he does. So Burke, tell us about you and what you do. Well, it's a bit, a bit of a story to it, because otherwise this would sound like the complete accidental business to end up in, and I'm helping people build conscious businesses so they could start by accident, but become consciously consciously managed, if you will. And what I mean by, uh, well, conscious really is knowing what the right thing to do is. You're aware of what triggers you. You're aware of what affects other people. You're aware of your impact on people. And so I want people to build businesses that have a good impact on the world and are doing something good. So the idea is if you've got, I've got an idea that you think will contribute to the world, I'm make, making tools to help you turn that into a successful company. And it started for me, I mean, you know, I, I had a, I was working in, in, in Silicon Valley selling electronic components for Texas Instruments way back, back in the early, early 80s. And then I decided I want to be on the other side of the desk and I'll try being a buyer. So I got a job at the Sharper Image Catalog as the electronics buyer. I mean, you remember the Sharper Image Catalog, it's kind of a, a guy gadget type thing. And they sold, send out 6 million catalogs a, a month. It was quite an operation. Anyway, so they, they liked how I described the parts of the, the, the products to the catalog department. They invited me to come over to the catalog department to be a co catalog copywriter. So I would be the one telling you rugged titanium steel casing, you know, submerged, you know, any of all that stuff. And so, but then, so I did that for a while. It was fun, but seeking to make some more money, I found a job selling word processors in Silicon Valley. This was back before PCs and Macs. And when PCs and Macs came along, that kind of blew away the, the, uh, the word processor business. But then I started making literature, sales uh, brochures, catalogs, kind of like all the literature and sales tools that I wished I had selling to sell the word processors with. But I took the concepts from the sharper image and brought them to Silicon Valley. Long story short, a friend of mine calls me up one day and says, hey, you know, I need a business plan for Apple. Apple wants to buy my engineering software. They want to be sure that I'm going to be in business in a few years to support it, upgrade it, update it, all that. And they know that if I had a business plan that I can demonstrate that 
my plan to stay in business. And so I helped him put this together. Now, I didn't think much of business plans at the time. I saw it really as a glorified brochure or glorified, you know, document. And it wasn't really meant to be read as a novel. It was really more of a reference document. So the different people within Apple, different levels, different areas of, of interest, different responsibilities, biases, fears, expectations, all of that. We needed to cover all the bases so my friend's business would be, would come across really as certainty that these guys were actually were doing this. The SBA way back when did a survey and they said of the businesses that failed, 60% had no business plan. So I think Apple must have known something like that and that's why they wanted to see it. In fact, if you watch the Shark Tank, you see the contestant floundering on the stage there, they'll invariably ask him, do you have a business plan? Because they know if they did, he could answer the questions. Anyway, long story short, we got the deal with Apple. And over the next year, people were coming to me with help for, with their business plans. They had some brilliant ideas, but their plan just wasn't convincing to investors. So I helped them, you know, either the, the strategy of how to do that, just filled in the blanks, made it make sense, added the components that were missing, and they were winning their deals. Well, along the way in there, I discovered that really that business plans have a fundamental similar structure. It's kind of like, you know, we're humans, even though we're all different, you can go into the hospital and we're fundamentally the same enough so a doctor can work on all of us the same way. Anyway, so given that, you know, I, I, I thought I would do is I would take all this content I developed for my clients and I would combine it and redact anything proprietary. And instead of just leaving it blank for you to figure out what to say, I left in a variety of options of here's how one might finish this sentence, because it's easier, I believe, to edit than it is to write from scratch. So if you were faced with a blank sheet of paper, you'd be wondering, oh, what do I say? But if I've got something there already for you, you'd say, well, I'll say it like this, or I'll write it like that, or whatever. So it makes it a lot easier psychologically to just slide into what to say. Anyway, that became our biz plan builder business planning software. And over the years, we added marketing builder, publicity builder, employee manual builder, safety plan builder, a whole bunch of sample business contracts, hundreds of spreadsheet tools to just do the math. I certainly couldn't do it in my head, but it enables you to figure out a lot of things and make just better data-based decisions. At least even if they're your assumptions, you can see how they all add up and make a difference. And so, but you know, somewhere along the way, we had 10 products and about 3,500 stores doing about $12 million in business with 30 employees. But the goal was always to have everything working alike, working together in one big dashboard. And as the internet technology improved over the years, we're now in our third revision of our dashboard where all of our products have been integrated and it takes about five minutes to learn how to use it. And so you write a business plan and it's great for a nonprofit because you need a strategy and this helps you put all the pieces together. And I think most donors come from business. And so they're expecting to see some kind of business plan. And plus it makes it a lot easier for you to explain what you're doing over and over and over and over and over again to everybody, because you got to keep everybody on the same page. And like Hugh will tell you, leading an orchestra of a hundred musicians, it's helpful that everybody's got the same sheet music in front of them. Otherwise, I don't know how you do it. So where do we go from there, Hugh? There's, there's, there's my story. That's how we got here. That's how you got here. And um, I've looked under the hood of this car and it's quite pretty amazing what you've created over the years. And, and I would say in my 32 years of working with leaders, now these are entrepreneurs running a business, it might be a for-profit business, it might be a for-purpose tax-exempt business, it might be a church or synagogue, it might be an educational uh, organization. 
and it might be a membership organization. One common factor is that they don't have the roadmap to success. In Center Vision, we call this a, a solution map. Now, I want to declare up front that um, BizPlan Builder and Center Vision are working together. We're going to offer this to the clients we work with, the, the nonprofits we serve, as an add-on because it makes it really takes the, the hard part out of how do I think about this? What do I say? It kind of gives you a jump start. Like you said, here's how you, here's what it looks like. And so you can add your own language to that. And one of the, the complaints I get, um, objections, which I think are excuses, uh, are people say to me, well, I don't have time to write a plan. There's two prevalent excuses. So I want to hear your answer. Number one, I don't have time to write a plan. We're too busy. Number two, I don't want to write a plan because it's going to limit my creativity. <laughs> what do you say to either one of those? Well, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, you know, it, I hear I hear those kind of things too. You know, I don't want to write a plan. I don't. It, it's really covering up. I don't know how. I think that's really the problem is you don't know how. And I think if the other the other thing is, they don't really realize the benefit of having one. And I think that's what they they don't see the other side of it. The business owners that I know who have plans and have had businesses in the past with and without plans, every single one of them will tell you you need a business plan. Otherwise you're, you're just toast. And you know, why would they ask that on the shark tank? I mean, these guys are well sharks. And so if they're going to do, if they're going to invest in your business, they want to invest with people who have their act together. Now that's a reality show, meaning they're deliberately going to put buffoons on there and people with crazy crackpot ideas. And one in five is probably really going to have their act together and be an example of a success story. And those are the ones that sharks jump on. But that's because they've, they've got their act together. And that's the point. And so if you don't have time to write a business plan, then you've got to take the time to explain to every single person what you're doing, because you want your people to know what's going on. In fact, there's a, a Marine Corps general named Kowaliak, forgive my pr bad pronunciation, but his Kowaliak's law is, is that your least paid person is probably your highest visible brand ambassador, meaning the receptionist probably doesn't get paid the most gets paid the least in the company, but who answers the phone and represents you. So even that person really needs to have the sense of belonging to the business. And if everybody's read the sheet music, they've read the plan, they understand who the partners are. They understand what the products do. They understand their competitive advantages. They understand why they're here. They understand the purpose of the company. They understand what a per nice person like the CEO and the management team is doing in a place like this. What, what skin do they have in the game? You know, what do the investors want? And as an attorney told me way back when, you want to design your business so everybody everybody gets rich the same way or everybody wins the same way. So in a nonprofit, you can see really, you know, wow, what are we doing? This is really a big business and you get more excited about it. And it's much easier for the leader of the business. If you've just taken the time to articulate the plan and get it on paper, it's in this case, it's software. So you can change it. So the other objection is, I mean, if anybody's susceptible to bright, shiny objects, I sure as heck am. So, but it doesn't, it doesn't preclude you from pursuing a bright, shiny object along the way. It just helps you keep the bright, shiny object in perspective and say, is this more important to take this deviation to do to pursue a bright, shiny object? Or should I stay the course doing what I'm doing? 
And so it's kept me in my business for 30 years because it's software. I can update software. I don't have warehouse problems or shipping problems or anything like that. So it's just compelled me to stay in this business. And it helps you stay the course with the thing you really want to do. And if the bright, shiny object is the direction of a pivot you want to go, you can think about it. You can weigh weigh it in the financial model and really see if it makes sense. The whole thing is to take two steps forward, not or at least one step forward, not two steps forward and one step back. So take one good step forward. And that's really, it's really the benefit of, of this overall. And it is, it's easy. It, it hasn't gotten, it, it's, it's easy it's ever going to be writing a business plan today with, with a software product. And you got invited to attend a, a business growth conference years ago. And uh, the person presenting said, Burke, you got a software, talk a minute. Well, you were teaching that class because he's, hey, you teach it because you've done a deep dive into the concepts. Now, what what people, um, they, we, we either don't have it or we put too much faith in a piece of paper. And so the way uh, the way I perceive we're going to work together, um, we're not selling a product, people. We're just telling you about a system and why it's important. And if this makes it easier for you, it's like crazy inexpensive um, to, to find a tool that, that helps you accomplish the task. So, um, it's, it's, it's a way to think about the future and how to get there. We define where we want to be. So a solution map is my version of a strategic plan. Now, you and I have had some conversations about the term business plan and strategic plan. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're plans. And they're, they're basically where do you want to be and what are the components. But fundamentally, a business plan is a summary overview that you're going to give to a funder. But you work with entrepreneurs raising capital for their business. They're selling right. equity. We're working with nonprofits to apply for grants or to get sponsorships or major donors right. who want to invest in the lives of people, not a return in their pocket, but a return on life for others. It's a transformational investment. So the, the, the rubrics and the mechanisms and the parts of the business plan are the academic piece that a funder looks at to make sure, A, you've done your homework. B, where does the money go? C, what's the outcome of what I'm going to have? So they need to see the overall picture. And if it's too wordy, too complex, too long, it's going to backfire on you. So what what we're going to help people do is think through how do you create the, the essential message? Now, you've been kind enough to create a portal for CenterVision in, in your biz plan builder portal, but you've also added some tactical things on my request. So the the add-on for a strategy is it's an operational plan. So you take the business plan and you add the action items and the accountabilities and the processes. And I'm I'm really excited to hear about the um, the marketing plan and the op- and the operational documents because I can't tell you how many nonprofits that I, that I have worked with that don't have any of these things in place, personnel documents, none of the board documents. So you've got a whole lot of things that we can talk about. I want to talk about the first, the the essential piece of doing the planning. And so let, let me just uh, do a scenario with you. So I'm, I've got an idea. So I take your, your, your system and I plug in some of the ideas and I print it out and I go to my board because I've seen over and over where the leader does everything. They take it to the board, says, now we're going to do it. And the board says, not on your life. That's your idea. I didn't have it. So, so the part A is being very clear on the arrival point. Part B is taking it to the board for a conversation. And then there, so the leader doesn't over-function, we get a scribe to go and input it. 
then we come back and we nuance it with the board. So there's this engagement piece that we're actually partners in creating it. So why do you think it's important for all the stakeholders to have some input and, and part of the, be a part of that conversation? You know, looking at it from the CEO level, I don't know what the shipping guy does every day. You know, I don't know what, what all the people do every day. I'm busy with my head in the clouds looking forward. I'm a year down the road. I'm talking to investors. I'm doing, you know, all this so-called high-level 50,000-foot stuff. So, but you could put a plan together. I remember in Silicon Valley years ago, there was a telco that it was all, everything about it was amazing, except the only problem they had was they couldn't connect the last 100 feet to the house. So a chain is as strong as its weakest link. And so, you know, to avoid a catastrophe like that, you really want to engage everyone because the shipping guy might go, uh, hold it here. You know, in fact, the shipping guy even suggested we use second day air for everything because it always got there next day air anyway, and it was half price. So like, hey, good for him. Now, who knew, you know? And so uh, bringing everybody involved in it, in anybody running a company, if I use the word, you need your team to buy in, they're probably going to cringe and just, push their chair back on, oh God, you know, you want, the team's got to buy in. Well, if you want the team to buy in, have them contribute to the plan along the way. And then they're quite frankly, they're going to come up with a lot of stuff. They might come up with some of the same ideas you have, but great, give them credit for that. Because if they, if it's their idea, they'll support it and they'll make it happen. Because if it's all your idea and you're shoving it from the top down, everybody's going to resist you or most people would resist you. And so to avoid that, you've got, and if there's any discussion or disagreement, it happens in the document. So you can sort things out. And if you've got an idea you want to get on the list, you can get it in there. It may not be the top priority, but at least it's there. So you can see, okay, we've considered it. My idea is on the plan. Yay. So, you know, just, and you want the, and you want the diversity of ideas. We can get into the whole idea of diversity and inclusion. And I got to say, diversity is far more than skin deep. I want people who come from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And while I'll sit here and tell you, I think I'm the smartest guy in the room, you know, it's uh, uh, humbling, I've been humbling over and over and over and over again. So I'll never say that again, but you know, that other people have some really great ideas. Like, oh my God, that's a great idea. Cause I would write something and someone else so I could perceive that this way. And you think, are you, how do you come up with this? But that's the beauty of having a, a diverse culture on your team yeah. is you're getting ideas from really all over the place. And if you want more customers and more people to buy from you, pretty good idea to cover those bases. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. Well, it is, and it's both ways. I mean, you know what the people in the organization know and they know what your ideas are. And then we, cre we create the accountabilities and the systems together because one of the, the great over functions that leaders perform and get burned out is they do too much. So there's the scenario where there's the leader with their head in the clouds, but there's the opposite scenario where the leader's got his head in the basement doing everything so they can't see the clouds. So there's an advantage to that leader being able to see the whole picture. And when you've got conversations with the doers, then they can do because they know what's expected and they know where to plug in. So it it's really um, bottom line, it's an engagement tool for nonprofit leaders. They don't, so when they say, I don't have time, well, they don't, they don't have time because they spend all their time telling people over and over what they could write down and people could read for themselves. Right. Well, the other thing I think of too, that comes to mind as you say that is I think of there's the, there's the what, the why, and the how, 
And I think oftentimes like I'll have a goal and, you know, okay, here's the what, and I know why I want to do it. And I immediately got my head down working on the how. And more often than not, the thing will happen some other way than whatever how I thought it was going to happen. So if I, as a leader of the company, if I have a why for something and maybe come up with a, or ask the question, you know, and somebody else comes up with a what, and yet more people come up with different ways to do how, I'm less in, in, invested in how it's done. I just need it done. If somebody comes up with an efficient way, an expensive way, an easy way, their way to do it, and they'll do it, you know, getting it done is, is more important than getting it done my way. And so that way it's, it's who knows what you're going to, what you're going to bring forth. If you've got a, what, or somebody says, Hey, we need this. What? And I say, well, why? And the why is good. You've heard maybe many people say you've got to, what's your why? So, cause that's what is what's motivating, but everybody needs to know what the, what and the why is, and then we can fight over what, how, how to do it. But then you're out of, you're, you're letting your people come up with the, how to do it. And is it going to get done? And that's, that's, that's the important part is getting it done. Well, if you go back to the orchestra analogy that like you started out with, so I step on the podium, boom. By the way, podiums from the word potus foot, you stand on a podium. So I stand on the podium. One of my pet peeves, people misuse words. So I stand on the podium, I open up my music score. Well, everything that's going to happen is written in that score. Everybody in the orchestra has a part for them. It's their, their action plan. So I've got the strategy and there's the action plan. So they're going to implement, I'm going to lead. So I know everything's going on. And before I step into a rehearsal, which is like a board meeting, um, we don't often rehearse for success though. But when I step into this rehearsal, we call a meeting, um, we have to define what kind of meeting it is, but it could be an implementation meeting. So we've got the strategy, we're going to do implementation because even the best strategy, Bert, is a piece of paper. And so it's the integration. So we, we have things we can integrate. So the, the first duty and delight of the leader is to be prepared. So part of it is you're so well-versed in all of these that you can nurture it and you can transfer it to others. We call that delegation. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a paradigm we have to get over. And it starts with this word nonprofit, which is basically a lie. You know, it's, it's a when you had a term that you brought up, we, we don't make profit, but we have proceeds and we need to generate extra proceeds in order to grow our enterprise, to pay people so they can eat, to develop systems and actually do the work that we're called to do. So I think the catalyst under this is the, the structure of what we do together. Now, having it virtual also means that you can update it on a regular basis. So what is your advice on, we've created a plan and we start working and then after a while we say, oh, we've learned a few things. So what is your thoughts about how we revise and up to evaluate, revise and update the plan? Well, the system's totally modular. So if it's a marketing thing you're changing or maybe it's a, a demographic profile you wanna update, you just open up the demographic profile page and make some changes there. Now, what's the point of that? Well. That's then you can also make an announcement to the company. Hey, we've learned something about our, our demographics. You could inform the donors, you could inform potential donors, and you could make it into something that where this is, hey, we, we now we can help more people, something like that. So it's worth updating all this stuff and keeping it updated. And the nice thing is having it all in one place. You don't have some random folder somewhere that says, here's our demographic, some other folder somewhere else says, this is our marketing plan. This is our hiring plan. You know, it's all in the same place. So anytime you want to go in there and see what, you're, what's, what, the, what the plan is, 
I mean, you look at, I think of building contractors, you know, they've got the, they've got the blueprints in that little trailer on site. You know, they go in there and go, okay, what are we doing again? Oh yeah. The plumbing's got to hook up over there. It, it's complicated. I mean, this, that's the thing. These things are really, really, really complicated. And if you've built a business before, you know that you're shaking your head going, yeah. And so these are all the tools to manage these complications, especially to share the changes and the changes in, in complications or whatever you're doing with other people around you who can who can weigh in and help. I'm going to presume they're all wanting to help you. Everybody I've worked for, I've, I've tried to help them the best I could. The ones that were the most difficult to work for were the ones who kept the, everything in their head. They didn't they didn't give me any ideas like, look, we're going in this direction. So if I found something out in the world that would help us go in that direction, I wouldn't know it because I didn't know we were going in that direction. And so we have to, I have to wait for them and the bottleneck is the leader and nothing gets done. And then they're the ones who are angry because nobody's helping. Well, what do you expect? So I think really it's a matter of, of respecting that you have intelligent people working with you and they are trying to help you. It's almost like that thing where it's uh, pro-noia. People are conspiring behind your back to support you. <laughs> you know, that's, there's paranoia and there's pronoia. We're behind your back trying to help you. And so, you know, <laughs> if you want to take advantage of that, give them the sheet music and update it. Well, and um, I said, hey, you heard it right here, folks, on the nonprofit exchange. So you're if you're watching on Facebook, we have Burke Franklin as our guest today on the interview show we call The Nonprofit Exchange, and you can find it by going there, thenonprofitexchange.org. And Burke's uh, expert in planning, really, in systems. Um, it starts with a business plan, but I'm finding out there's a whole lot more uh, in resources that he has to offer. So uh, you can find him at businesspowertools.com, businesspowertools.com. Um, Burke's in a for-profit business, but he has, a, I, I've known him for what, 15 years or something? something um, like that, yeah. yeah, we're getting older. Uh, businesspowertools.com forward slash preview. Um, so you can go to the homepage, but then you go to forward slash preview and you can get a, 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 view, a, a view of the back end, the, the dashboard for what, what it has to offer. Um, so the other excuse I mentioned when people say, and it's more prevalent in community organizations, charities, I don't want to limit my creativity. So I don't need to put it into a plan because I feel like I'm going to be restricted. And so my response to that is musicians have a system. And because we have a system, it's the container for creativity. Now we don't spend our energy trying to figure out what to do. We spend our energy being creative about doing it. So it's really a reverse paradigm. The more you lay down the tracks, the more you're able to implement. And I, I guess where I really learned this was three years I taught middle school general music. Now, general music, everybody had to attend. And you can imagine there's some seventh, eighth graders didn't want to be, especially boys, boys are a problem, be in a music class. So I had to be real creative in, in doing a doing a lesson. So you couldn't turn your back. You had to be very clear and you had to be very strong about what's the benefit? What are we doing? And engage people in meaningful conversation. So it looks like I survived. But what I learned is if I had done the plan, just because I had two sixth grade classes, uh, 
didn't mean they were going to be the same at all. <laughs> so, uh, or seventh or eighth grade. So because I had done my lesson plan, I knew where I was going and I knew the parts of it. And so I could, I could revise on the fly because I could see what I planned wasn't working, but I knew how to get there because I had spent time with it. So your point earlier on is we go, and, I, and Wayne Dyer used to say this. He said, we go from knowing, from believing to knowing. We're taught to believe. Well, he said, believing is like a note your mommy pins on your jacket and sends you to school. Knowing resides within you. So talk a little bit about, you know, the, it's a little bit of heavy lifting to put your brain to work. But once you go through a few simple steps, your, your knowledge of your ability to see accelerates dramatically. So talk about the process of planning and how it benefits leaders. Well, let me say this, you know, I think maybe the, the first thing that the catch word is plan. I think that gets everybody like a planning. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to, I mean, it's easy to think, okay, it's a plan. Like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. You know, I, I know I need to go somewhere and I kind of need to know why, but now what? I'd rather just take a couple steps down the yellow brick road and see what happens. And so we're guys. Hey, Kate, Bert, we're guys. We don't use maps. We just drive somewhere. I don't need those stinking directions. Yeah. I just, you know, Oh honey, it's okay. I'll just keep going. We'll go down this road a little, little, it's getting dark. We're running out of gas, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. I don't no. need to stop in here and ask these guys who live here, what to, where to go. You're right. So, but, you know, so the, the, but the plan, the plan, I, it's not really a plan. I mean, back to my original idea about the thing, it, it never, it's never really been about a plan. I mean, it kind of is, but it's really a, a tool to gather, organize and share your ideas. So it's, it's a place to, you know, I mean, think about this. If you're going to write somebody a check and invest in their business or donate to their nonprofit, what do you want to know? I mean, what do you want to know about this organization? What do you want to know about the people running it? What do you want to know about the benefit of uh, why their product? And investors ask this all the time, you know, why your product, why now, and why from you? And those would be three fundamental questions that really anybody's going to ask you. And so some of this is to really address that stuff. So it is kind of a a, a, comp, a comprehensive brochure, if you will, to cover all these bases so you can answer the questions. And, you, and like I said, the chain is as strong as its weakest link. You've got to have all of it coordinated together. And Buckminster Fuller, if you remember him, our Buckminster Fuller, famous architect, philosopher, engineer, geodesic dome guy, uh, known by his friends as Bucky, he said that a mistake in the plan requires an eraser. A mistake in the field requires a checkbook. And so, you know, you can, you can, you can work a lot of stuff over in this plan and this elaborate brochure blueprint that you're creating for your business. And, you know, ours starts out progressively. It's not intended for you to have every idea all figured out. You're not going to. But as, as you progress and grow and new things loom into your, onto your radar screen as things you need to consider, we have ideas in there to help you think, think about them and what to do with them. Even the ideas we think are bad ideas, we say, don't do this. But if you insist, here's how to say it. But nevertheless, that's a, that's a minority. But, you know, it's, it's really a, it, it's, it enables you to really think, helps you think. It's a thinking tool. It's a, it's your, it's, well, I think if it's kind of like your brain trust for your business, the whole thing contains that. And you're really looking for a, a, a management brain trust that you can work with to contain your ideas like i say not be distracted by bright shiny ideas or somebody would come along i had a, i had a company come to me and say hey we've got this really great retail product we're doing really well in retail 
like I said, I had 10 products and business plan, marketing plan, public relations, everything for running your own business. Well, along comes a company that says, we want to sell you our resume product. It's doing really well in retail. You could put your brand on it and sell a resume product. And I thought to myself, let me get this straight. I'm selling a business plan for entrepreneurs building their own business. If I take on this resume product, even though it looks good, it's packaged well, doing great in retail, it's got shelf space, you know, everything going for it in that regard. The only fundamental flaw in the ointment in this whole thing was the fact that it's a resume product and I'm helping entrepreneurs start your own business. What am I saying by offering a resume product? Oh, by the way, if all my other products fail you and you fail, you can always use our resume product and go get a job. You know, I don't think so. I'm more of the school, like with Cortez, he says, burn the ships. We got 800 guys, they got 10,000. We're burning our ships because the only we're going to win or die. And that's really my philosophy in this is you've got to be all in on your business. I learned that in martial arts. If I'm not in the ring, heart, mind, body, and spirit, I get whacked and consequences are immediate. And if Hugh doesn't have the right music in front of somebody, all of a sudden, and everybody's playing in C and somebody else starts thinking they're in G sharp, you got a, you got a serious problem with the violinist in the third row. You can't have that. It just gums up everything. So, you know, it's a, it's a coordination document. It's a, it's a selling tool. It's, yeah, it's a planning document, but the planning almost is kind of like, you know, your real purpose is to create this, this brochure piece to get everybody working together and in harmony, if you will, using Hugh's metaphor. Well, it's, it's a, it's also clarity piece, you know, not only for the, for the supporter that you want to present to, it's a clarity piece for yourself. And so if you have to think through some of these major themes, then when you get in front, um, we, you've worked with entrepreneurs presenting to investors. Well, nonprofit yeah. leaders are presenting to investors as well, but these are people who are philanthropists and they're going to write you a check. Now, philanthropy um, takes several forms, but one very tangible form is they, they not only say, hey, I like what you're doing, but they say, how much do you need? Um, so the, that conversion is building a trust. And I think what you've described here is going through the process of creating clarity so you can speak directly to the questions or your document has really answered the questions and met the objections of who you're presenting to before they even have a chance to bring them up. You've already answered them because you've gone through a system. What about that? Well, you probably realize you're competing with other nonprofits for donors' philanthropy, right? And so, I mean, I hate to think, you know, the donors got lots of money. They can, they can donate to everybody. They cannot and they won't. And it's like, like any investor will do. They're going to bet on the jockey more than the horse. And so if you've got three organizations who are feeding donkeys, for example, <laughs> think of that example, good visual. Anyway, I'm going to donate to one of them. Which one do I donate to? I'm going to donate to the one who's got their act together. And, you know, a business plan is certainly your first. That's why, that's why Apple wanted my friend's business plan. That was their one key bellwether of whether this company is going to be around in the future or not. Do they have a plan? And are they executing on that plan? And that's really, it's, it's a competitive advantage with donors, I, would, I think. Because like we said earlier, most of these donors, if they've got a lot of money, they probably made it in business. And they're used to seeing business plans. They're used to seeing, they want to see that most of the money goes to achieving whatever it is you're, you're doing. In this case, feeding donkeys. They want if 90% if of the money goes to administration and overhead and 10% goes to carrots and vet bills, 
that's not exactly the the nonprofit that I'd want to invest in. If I'm interested in saving and feeding donkeys, I want as much money to go to carrots and vet bills as possible. And so which one of you guys is doing that? Show me, prove it. Give me an example, name names. I mean, you really, they've got to have, it's, it's, you're building a case is what you're doing. And it's, I don't think it's too much to ask to spend a few days and going through the business plan and sorting out, okay, how do we build a case to, you know, get everybody on the same page and then dazzle the donors uh, with, with what we're doing and inspire them to want to, to give. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's, um, it's a credibility piece that shows that you've done your homework, your preparation. And so um, there's a relationship building, but there's also a fact piece to it. And so um, when you're making a presentation, do you print the whole blooming thing and take it? Or is there a way to export a summary document? What's your advice? On, and when you, when you go to talk to somebody, we've had lots of presentations over the years with uh, professional fundraisers. And many of them say you leave the stuff in the car and you talk to somebody first. But at some point, you, they're going to ask for a document when they're serious and you're going to be able to produce it. So what does that first document look like? Well, the first thing you start out with is a 30-second elevator pitch, if you will, assuming you're the proverbial elevator for, I'll say, no more than three floors. Don't let anybody tell, th let you think you're in New York City going up 60 floors. You're going up three. So it's got to be quick and tight. Okay, then the, the, and the idea of the elevator pitch is for the investor or the, or the donor to say, you know, I'd, be, I'd like to hear more. Would you come into my office? And, or do you have a summary plan? And so, so it's all about getting that appointment. If you've got a summary plan, which would be the two-page summary, meaning one piece of paper printed both sides, because that's psychologically one piece of paper, but it's two, two pages, nevertheless. So you've got that. And then you go into their office, and you've probably got some kind of keynote or PowerPoint slideshow where you can really make your case. And so now they get excited, and now they're interested in writing a check. But let's see the detail here. Let me ask you some questions. And this is where the Shark Tank guys can tell if the contestant has written a plan or not, because if they start floundering with the questions, now you got problems. And now it's like, oh, you really don't have your act together. You, you're a good flash in the pan. You sound good, but I'm not sure you can deliver. And that's, again, why Apple wanted my friend's business plan. They wanted to be sure you could deliver. And so the process of getting there from here would be to, to have the plan where you think through the whole thing because you don't know what they're going to ask you. You don't know what they've been through in their life where they're going to say, you know, I worked at this telco that got everything right except for the last 10 feet to the house and it died. Now, what are you going to, how, how are you not doing that? I mean, so, you know, the, the ideas that these people come up with, it never ceases to be amazing. But if you've thought it through, you're definitely ahead. So, but yeah, you don't walk in with the whole plan. You have like a two-page summary that just gives a quick, here's the problem. Here's how we're fixing it. Here's how many people have it. Here's what we think it's going to cost to do it. Here's how our thing is better. Here's why us, why now, and, you know, why, why this product, why, uh, why now and why us. And here's the people behind it, what we've done before. Here are our advisors and directors and some of our volunteers and like that and other donors. And it's a brief two-pages overview. And if they're interested from there, then they're going to want to dive deeper into what you're doing. Okay, we have a hand for a listener who wants to, I want to open the mic for him and um, see if, if you want to hear. It's okay if you want to get a question from uh, Mr. Bob, Bob Hopkins, uh, expert on philanthropy and a professional fundraiser in his career. Bob, can you hear us? I can. Can we you can hear, hear me? 
I can. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's from Dallas, Texas, and Burke is out there in California. Hi, Bob. Hi there. Nice to know you. Okay. Um, so do you have a book or is uh, this dot com what you have as far as business power tools is concerned? It's it's a dot com. It's all done online now. It's a whole business plan system. I could show it to you, but that would be kind of overkill. We can Hugh's got a link to it on his webpage right. there. So do you um, offer also your consulting offer uh, expertise? We do. Yeah, sure. It's a kind of a broad range of there's a done for you. You do it all yourself. And there's kind of done with you parts in the middle that wherever you need help, we could we can help you wherever you need it. And we have other consultants in our network who can also do that as well. Okay, so uh, you don't look very old to me. And um, so therefore, I could probably be your grandfather. But let me ask you this. Uh, I have I raised money um, in the 80s and 90s and yeah. um, and have had businesses, nonprofits and for-profit businesses. What has changed in 20 years? You know, I, I think it's it's the fundamentals, the old school stuff, I don't think has changed a whole lot. I and mean, if you're going to donate or invest, you got the same bunch of questions, the same concerns. I mean, the way I think we, we address it these days, I could have you log into my webpage or log into a, a subscriber's webpage on my site, and you could read their business plan and click around on it and see exactly what you want to see, and you'll always get the latest version of it. You can click into the spreadsheets. You could even adjust some of the numbers to see what would happen you know, if you looked at it your way and, and do that. So some of, the, some of the technological capabilities to make it easier for you to look at a business uh, help a lot. The videos, the PowerPoint, the keynote presentations, the information that's provided that you need to have. I think just the education of, of the people that you're, you're, you're supporting, whether it's you're investing or donating, uh, it makes them smarter. So they're, they're more appealing and they'll be more successful. So do you have a lot of competitors out there that do the same thing that you do? Yeah, I'd say every one of our products has got a zillion competitors to it. People want to be lots of free things. You know, you get free things from SCORE, from the SBA, from SBDCs. And basically, it's like our table of contents and a bunch of blank pages. So it says, describe your management team here. And for all you know, you're looking at a map of Antarctica. It's just a blank white sheet of paper with maybe some instructions. But we actually have the text that you could use because it's actually redacted from or actually copied from real business plans with some ideas built in and some, some commentary along the way, plus videos for each section. It's me saying, okay, look, you're in this management team section of the business plan. Here's what investors and lenders are looking for. And I take a minute to five minutes to explain that portion of that you're working on. So there's a lot of help, a lot of guidance, uh, a lot of ideas in there to help you get this done. Cause we've, we've been to, We've an, we anticipate a lot. We watched the Shark Tank. We've been to uh, all kinds of um, Kiretsu forum meetings and different kinds of investor angel investor meetings. And we hear some of the questions these guys ask and some of the objections they raise. And we help you get ahead of that with, with this thing. So it's all, you know, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a compendium. It's a gathering of, of knowledge and wisdom as a knowledge base that you can tap into to really put together a, a, good, a good business. It's more than just a plan. It's putting together a good business that you can operate. Do you think the same tools exist for nonprofits as they do for for-profits? I'm sure they do. I mean, you know, we're, we're using our number of nonprofits are using our biz plan builder. We had somebody pitch uh, Rotary International and got a quarter of a million dollars to rescue a tribe of pygmies in Africa. 
go figure, you know, who knew, but um, that's, that was the plan. The plan enabled them to do that and put that together and be convincing with it and get the money. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'd said before, you know, a nonprofit really, it's a tax status. It's not a management style. So you're really in effect running a business. Some of the words have changed like profit is proceeds, investors or donors, employees or either volunteers or staff and customers are typically beneficiaries. But nevertheless, it's still fundamentally, you gotta, you gotta get money in to do something and then help some people. And the more efficiently you can do that, the better. So, and then the other tools like the employee manual, if you've got employees, I don't care who you are, you need to have employee policies in place. And likewise with all your safe work practices and a safety plan. So there's that. And so we're really trying to, we're trying to help people or trying to do something good in the world, succeed at it and not be taken down by many of the things that take down a lot of companies, which is unfortunate. And I see, I've seen it a lot and I've not lately with my stuff. Bob always has really good questions. He's a, he's a little older than you are, but he's not, he's not old. <laughs> I doubt you could be my grandfather. For what it's worth, I'm 64. Oh so. my God. Well, I'm not I old. Feel, sometimes I feel older and sometimes I feel younger, but, you know, I try to, you know, not, not doing any work, just, you know, just being here and being healthy. What can I say? Well, I'm not even old enough to be your father. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. So Bob brings a point, you know, we are running, we are running, Bob, thank you for those. We are running. And I, uh, Mr. Rash has a question I want to give him. We're running. Yes. Short. we got about five, about 10 minutes. So it is, we are running a tax exempt business with a lot more rules that we than you do with a business. So right. uh, we have to comply with IRS res regulations for obvious reasons. And they right. people people get a tax deduction for helping us achieve our, our mission. So Mr. Rash is here in Virginia with me. And um, you had a question that you put in the chat. Uh, a couple of yeah. questions, actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, Thanks for your presentation. I really find it very interesting. And we've been as a nonprofit for 41 years. And uh, needless to say, we've done business plans and strategic planning. So uh, I have a couple of questions for you. We can brief answers so it's other people can talk would be fine, or we can talk some other time. But the um, first one is how often do you review your business, the business plan? So, what are the signals that that say that it's time to to review and to adjust? Uh, because every day you might have new ideas, but that's a bad sign to me, you know, because it keeps <laughs> changing the changing the you know the direction of the organization. You could make a separate list of just bright shiny objects that are distractions if you want to write those down somewhere. Exactly. Just to just to have them on paper and get them out of your head. That way they aren't spinning around and they're like driving you crazy. That's one idea. But you know, I would say certainly the business plan, you want to review it, the annual part of it somewhere in, in late fall, like October, November, maybe, you know, just for kind of think rethink what's next year, which I've sent an offer out recently for that purpose to look at a lot of people have their plans. I get that thing out and look at it. I know if you're in the if you're in the the process of pitching investors or donors, you're going to review the plan a lot because you're going to go through it and you're going to answer their questions and show them stuff and and then you'll see places <laughs> where you're going to you're going to fix something or add something or subtract something or resequence something like that. So if you're in the process of using it, you'll 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 dial it in pretty fast. But I think also as you onboard new people, you want to go through it with them. You know, part of it is for your own uh, edification and also the opportunity to make some updates that you hadn't thought about in the last couple months, maybe. But I'd say at least, I'd say probably every quarter, you know, review it with your people, 
certainly once a year as you're thinking about what you're going to do next year. Because a lot of it is, you know, I, we, I, I go off on a tangent for a moment, but, you know, we're told we learn from our mistakes, which is true. We do learn from our mistakes. They're painful or expensive. They're embarrassing. So you don't want to do that again. But I would assert that there are an infinite number of mistakes you can make and maybe a handful of ways of doing things right. So if you could study your successes and look at, okay, what did we do right? Well, who was there? Who wasn't there? What did we do? What did we not do? What did we include? What did we exclude? What do we do differently that miraculously got this thing to work this time so we can replicate that? And that kind of stuff is where you're going to go into your plan, I think, and start dialing that in so you get the sense of like what's working and, and, how, to, and how to keep going with that. So that's really, I think, another useful application of it is to look at what's what what worked for you and, and, and replicate that. If I could just follow that up with, you know, we do most of our work internationally and specifically in the Middle East and North Africa and the Minna region and Central Asia, among other regions. We also do a lot of work with the State Department. And, How do you and, do that? Uh, That's just insane. Oh, go ahead. Okay. okay. <laughs> we train entrepreneurs and social innovators. We utilize yeah. what we use to call, we used to call cutting edge technologies, now catalytic leadership and yeah. business development for social good you know it's all it's all it's all around universal values and social good and, and we've been very successful at that and uh, but i'm wondering how do you tailor your work when you're we're helping young entrepreneurs leadership training we're doing uh, this catalytic leadership lab i help ira's on ira may be on today um the global transformation core and i'm wondering how, how do you control differences we, we we've been leaders for 40 years in cross-cultural programming and projects, but it's still to me when we're training, I'm not so sure that we always integrate the cultural, the cultural nuances. Well, yeah, I, you know, I've been to Africa a few times myself and, and the Middle East once. And uh, so it's, it's definitely an entirely different world than America by a long shot. So, but that's what makes it interesting, I think. And they've got certain parameters that they've got to deal with whether it's weather, climate, uh, you know, supporting equipment, materials, resources, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's really where you need their input because they know, they know their backyard and you're in it. And so how do you take some of these known business principles that really, it's really universal business principles, you know, that how, but how do you, how do you deliver something that they can use? You need their input. You have to look for it. You have to ask them for it. And if I think if you're showing yeah. them this, this structure, here's what we, here's what we think we, we, is going to work with you guys. What do you think? And they say, well, I love this part, but that other part over there ain't going to fly. So I don't know how they would say that in Africa, but you know, in Texas, they'd say that dog don't hunt, but you know uh, how they would say it, there would be some, you know, I don't know, they, we, we need more water. We can't do it. You know, something like that. I don't know, but you need to engage them. I mean, you have to ask them. And, and I think by having this document that everybody can access and work on, they can read it. And they can make their contribution to it very easily, and that's I think that's the that's what you're looking for. Well, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I agree that we have to we have to listen a lot and also find the experts in their in their communities. So one thing that we do find is some of their experts don't have the same basic knowledge or expertise that we might find in our country. So it's a, it's a careful step by step process yeah. to to affirm and to elevate. What they do have, and try to and try to become sensitive to what we may have to offer. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, Thanks for the question. Uh, You're right. Really, really good questions. Um, so, um, um, 
that that um, brought up the, the the idea of culture, and I talked earlier about the the cooperative planning, collaborative planning with all your stakeholders. This is so an essential part. And what what uh, Mr. Rash was talking about now. I did say we live in the South. We have different ways of doing things in the South. <laughs> You're in California. It's kind of a different world. And um, we won't go any further than that. But um, I think the the implementation of the concepts is where we start bringing the people into talking about the how. But the first part of it, you know, you started with the why. And then we want to talk, you know, what what's what's the problem? What's our solution? How do we do it differently? And then, you know, then you go into the process of implementation when all too often people want to start with here's here's what we're doing and people haven't really discovered the why. So I think going through the system you have prompts people to think about those 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 points that other people need to know or they're not going to support you. Well, there is a section for the SWOT analysis, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, which most business plans don't include. Strategic plans sure do. They should. And so we include that in there because investors and donors are going to want to know, well, what are you good at? Where's, where, where are you in trouble? What's, where are the risks in this thing? And we have a section on risk. I'm a big fan of revealing the risk because whatever the risks are, there maybe there aren't many, but you need to discuss something because there's going to be some assumption that there may be some risks. And so you want to cover all these different things because you want to be upfront about it. If you're not upfront about it and someone calls you out on your risk because you're, 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 it seems like you're hiding something. And that's even worse. And so I found it to be very successful in life because I've screwed up. I'm right up front about it. You know, someone said, who did this? Like, my bad, you know, and like the sooner you cop to it, the better. And so there's places in the plan that you, where you can reveal what, you know, where the weaknesses are. And because sometimes you're telling the investor, you know, right now we're vulnerable here, but hey, with a million dollars, that vulnerability goes away. So, so the investor's money or the donor's money helps remove uh, risk in the business as well. And you want to, you want to share that as well with them. Absolutely. And, and we haven't talked about risk on the show that in my memory in, in a, in an equity investment pitch, you're required for the investors required to sign a risk statement of risks. Cause you, you tell people if you invest, you're, you're going to lose your money. You tell them right up front, it's a high risk because you know, you're early stage company. We don't do that in nonprofit. And it's part of it's the, the myths that we've inherited the myth of, um, we can't take risks. Well, businesses can take risks. If we're going to get ahead, we need to innovate. We can't spend money on marketing. That's a myth. We pay, can't, can't pay good salaries. That's a myth. So part of going through and like Bob asked, what's the difference? I think there's very little difference. If we treated the nonprofit more in a business manner, maybe the business people would respond to us in kind because they're, they're aware of the risk and maybe they're uncomfortable even presenting it to you because they don't want to pop your bubble, but they sure aren't going to fund you. So I think yeah, what the points you brought up are things we must get on the table and talk about and they're hard. And, you know, I'm learning some things today and I've been doing this a long time. Uh, so Burke, we've, we've not talked for too long. So we've got about two minutes left. Is there, uh, so the different components that we have in the biz plan builder, you've got, of course, the business plan and you're adding some stuff that's tactical stuff that would make it a strategy uh, right. document that would make it an organic document. And I heard you had uh, 
personnel. What other, other things do you have in there? Well, there's a CRM system built into that subscription. So no matter what you subscribe to this, you get the CRM system, which is as good as any. I mean, there's a lot of them out there, you know, but we're not trying to compete with Salesforce or Infusionsoft or Entreport or those guys. We're not, it's not marketing automation, but you're not going to keep track of your, your volunteers and your, your VIPs and those kind of people and packaging vendors and like that in, in, a, in a marketing automation system. So it's a pretty cool thing to have there. We've got a number of the documents, all the, a lot of, if you get the full subscription, there's the employee policy manual. And then there's a section of documents in there in case you need to let somebody go. You never know what's going to happen. That's always a, a bugaboo that gets people. And I will say one thing about if you're going to fire somebody, remember to do it with dignity. You must enable them to save face. That is the one key ingredient that will fetch a lawsuit faster than make your head spin. If you do something and you you just embarrass them or you violate their dignity. So I'm just saying. So there's that. So there's a whole bunch of documents. Make sure you don't do that. Plus that little little brief lecturette there on 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 that subject. So then we have a collect a set of of documents for collecting money that people owe you. And maybe I don't know how you do that in a nonprofit saying, hey, you didn't pay your bill, but you could modify those in such a way to remind the donor to send their check. Or, or if there is somebody that does owe you money for services rendered, you, you need to collect. So there's a whole collection sequence there. And you know, then if you get the, the whole thing, again, there's sample press releases. You wanna keep the world informed of what, what you're doing and the, the, the benefits of what you've, how you've succeeded and how you've helped people. There's the safety plan that you know, tells people that you know, you've, you, you don't, OSHA will show up not with how this applies around the world, but certainly in America, OSHA will show up with what's what they consider a courtesy call and what their courtesy visit. Now the courtesy visit means they're coming to look to see if you're making any violations because you're a you know, big, fat, juicy source of fines that they can collect. And so you wanna be sure you've got a safety plan in place to at least demonstrate that you're, you're, you're trying. And you know, in that you'll learn some things that you need to do and tell people about and be sure no one does anything dangerous. So, I mean, all these things apply. And, you know, the uh, an OSHA, minimum OSHA fine, I think is anywhere from seven to $13,000. You don't want to waste your donor's money on that or anything, you know, all these other wasteful things. And so anyway, there's that, those bits. Uh, you know, the business plan also includes a, a, a PowerPoint presentation and you can get download keynotes and PowerPoints from all kinds of companies but they don't, they don't really explain what they're doing in this keynote presentation. They're not explaining the sequence of the pitch and you need to have, and ours does. And that's kind of the whole point. If you're gonna put in your own graphics and say what you say, but you'll do it in a conscious way that you, you know where you're going from here. So when you're on the shark tank, you can explain this and it goes all the way to the end. They'll be jumping out of their chair to write you a check. That's the idea. So there's just a whole, and there's a lot of little pieces like, would you be an advisor for us? Or would you be our director? There's a letter inviting these guys because, you know, how do you do that? Well, we put the letter in there so you have it. So there's lots of little backup peripheral things that just make the whole thing work together and work smoothly and, and help you do it the best you possibly can and not have to feel like, uh oh, I'm, I'm missing a piece because you've got everything there. Absolutely. Well, that's, um, I got to end this interview because I got to go to business plan builder and do my due diligence, man. I'm, I'm pumped here. So I'm gonna do a quick sponsor moment. And then I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to for a final thought um, to leave with people. One of our, our, our sponsors that uh, allows us to do uh, free shows like like this is easy card, and you can uh, create an easy card for your charity. And people can have your charity in their hand, your church or nonprofit, your organization, 
So if you send a text to 64600, and in the message you put LDR, 64600 is the numbers, five digits. And then you put LDR and you'll get a link back and you'll have up-to-date information about Center Vision Leadership Foundation and what we do. Burke Franklin, uh, Biz Plan Builder, Business Power Tools, uh, businesspowertools.com. Uh, what quick wish do you leave people with or challenge? Well, you know, the thing, I, I, I wrote a blog piece recently on persistence because I was realizing that, you know, there's a, there's a well, if you hear in real estate, it's location, location, location. You'll hear from investors and businesses that it's management, management, management. And every success book I've ever read or whatever you read, it's going to be persistence, persistence, persistence. And people don't realize it, but Walt Disney pitched Disneyland 600 times. Now, you can imagine in the process of pitching Disneyland 600 times, his deal got better. Or he got His pitch got better. His plan was more refined. And he sorted out who, who are the kind of people that really would be most receptive to what he's doing. So it took him 600 times. Now, Kentucky, uh, Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken fame, not so lucky. It took him 1117 times before someone finally said, you know what? Come on into my restaurant. Let's do your chicken. <laughs> you know. And this guy started out at 65 years old with his social security check. So he's that'd be like next year, I start out going out pitching chicken 1100 times, not going to happen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then, you know, and then Jack Canfield talks about pitching chicken soup for the soul. You know, here's this world-class best-selling half a billion copies book. He had to pitch that 153 times. So if you're worried about, I, I pitched this thing a dozen times and they don't like me, is there something wrong with me? Well, yes and no, but it's really either your deal needs to be fixed, you need to find a better audience, you need to dial it in, you're going to review your business plan, but it's persistence, persistence, persistence. It's kind of like a test from the universe. You know, if you really want to do this thing, prove it. And so I'm, I've been in that place myself, persistence, you know, got to keep going. Uh, even, even George Lucas, when he produced the first Star Wars film, he'd produce other films, but Star Wars, like everything went wrong. If you read the story, watch the Netflix documentary on Star Wars, everything went wrong anyway so but the rest is history he figured it out anyway back to you we're, make, we're making history we're making history be persistent burke franklin thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with uh, on the nonprofit exchange today thank you This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.